Grace and peace to you from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. The word of God for our meditation this Sunday is found in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, 7 and 9. But just as you overflow in every way, in faith, in word, in knowledge, in all diligence, and in your love for us, see that you also overflow in this gracious gift. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that although he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, so that through his poverty you might become rich. This is the word of our Lord. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, Okay, we'll deal with it right from the start. There are people who have a problem with hearing from, about giving to the church from the church. It may not be anyone in this room, but those people are out there. They usually think in one of two ways. Number one, the money we put in the offering plate is just payment for services rendered. If you like the music or the preaching, or if you are gaining particular value that Sunday, you give more. If not, you give less, or maybe not at all. Number two, we just have to accept that money is part of the church. If we want a nice building and good services, we have to pay, we have to pay for them. So the, so the congregation has to pony up. For them, giving isn't spiritual, it's functional rather than foundational. In our materialistic, consumer-driven society, it's not hard to understand the you-give-to-get point of view. And far too many churches today unwittingly accept it by focusing their ministries on what people want. But no matter how common that view of giving might be, it is not what we've seen in our scriptures today. And it is anything but Christian. Then why do Christians give? Is it because the cause is noble and just, like starving children on the other side of the world? Or is it because the need is great, like the church that doesn't want to face foreclosure on its loan? The two verses we just read are from the two key stewardship teaching chapters of the New Testament, 2 Corinthians 8 and 9. In them, the Apostle Paul is specifically encouraging the Corinthian congregation to generously supply a gift for the situation their fellow believers in Jerusalem, who through famine or persecution or both, were in great need. You can imagine in today's world, Paul would have produced an extended TV commercial with video of starving children or malnourished animals with Sarah McLaughlin's I will remember you playing softly in the background. This approach would surely tug at people's heart and purse strings. But we will not find a plea from, like that from Paul. There's no teary description and desperate of excuse me. There's no teary description of the deprivation and desperate times the believers in Jerusalem are facing. There's no mention of the consequences to the believers in, Ju in Judea, to, to their children or their animals, if a generous gift isn't given. There's no mention of impending doom or death. Instead, we see the exact opposite. 
What Paul writes is an appeal to life, the life of a Christian, the life of the church. Paul urges the believers in Corinth to do what he is confident they have the desire and the means to do, give. Because that is what the people of of the gospel do. That is what Jesus did. And that is the ultimate and foundational reason for our giving. It's not give to get. We give because we got. We live because God gave. That's certainly true of our material blessings, even life itself. After all, God created us. And as we are reminded by James, every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of heavenly lights. And earlier we heard David in his prayer of dedication affirm, we have given you only what comes from your hand. But all those gifts would be of little lasting worth if not for the greatest gift of all. You might have heard it said this way, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Or perhaps Paul's confident proclamation in Galatians, I live by faith in the son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Love and giving is grace. Because God loved us, he gave us life instead of our Instead of death, our sins had earned us. Because Jesus loved us, he gave us life so we could live forever. That's not what we deserved. We didn't earn it in any way. But still, God gave because he loved us. As Paul put it today, you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, so that you, through his poverty, might become rich. That talk of rich and poor really puts giving into perspective. Jesus literally had everything as the Son of God. All the gold of the earth was his. All the oil, the air we breathe, the clouds, the stars, everything. And yet he willingly set all that aside because he loved sinners and didn't want them to spend eternity in hell. He gave up heaven to give us heaven. He gave his life on the cross to give us life. And let's not forget the connection between giving and forgiving. It is the same grace at work which takes all those sins of habit and sins of choice away. God says they're all gone now, forgotten. Go now in peace and sin no more. Even our sins of shallow thankfulness and stingy giving, even our materialism and consumer mentalities, our serving man instead of the giver of all good things. Those things are not just weaknesses or oversights on our part, but indeed horrible, damning sins. But because God loves us, he gives forgiveness. He deals with us in grace. And that grace now characterizes everything about our lives as forgiven sinners, as believers, as those who trust in and count on the gift of Jesus Christ. The gospel motivates us and moves us, and then we follow Christ's call to stand steadfast in Christian faith and living. And giving, this gracious gift of giving, is not just something we do occasionally. It's a way of life. We're not the sinners we used to be. We are born again, 
baptize, which means we have been made new. And the new men and women we are love to give. Remember the story of the woman who poured expensive perfume on Jesus' feet and wiped it with her hair? Remember what Jesus said to those who complained that she was sinful and wasteful. He explained that she loved him so lavishly because she had been forgiven so generously. And that's why we give too. We have been forgiven so lavishly that we give generously. And we're talking here about all different kinds of giving. Not just giving to the church, as we saw David and his people do generously, but also giving to charity, to the needy, to the friends and neighbors as they have needs. And of course, we also make the connection in our own lives between giving and forgiving. Do we always do well in practice when opportunities to love and to give show up in our daily lives? Do we pass the test? Let's be honest. Far too often, we fail those tests of love and giving. But that's not the Christian. That's our old nature acting up. But rest assured that those sins of lovelessness and stinginess are forgiven too. Go now in peace and sin no more. And love and give some more. Because Christians love to give. There's another thing about what Paul wrote here in 2 Corinthians that we ought to pay attention to. The you here is plural. Paul is writing to a congregation, not to an individual. And while everything here certainly applies to us as individuals, it also applies to us as Christ Lutheran Church. Giving is also a foundation of our life together. Paul demonstrates with the first verse that giving is a way that we show our faith, our love, our earnestness, just as it was with the Corinthians. And you know something? As Christ Lutheran Church, as people who very obviously bear Christ's name, we have, you might say we have extra motivation. We want to make especially sure that we are abound in, excel in, and demonstrate that this grace of giving. We do this through our congregation mission offerings, the money we send to our synod to support world and home missions and our worker training schools and all those things. Now, some would say, what are you doing sending that money off to someone else? Well, the Corinthians and certainly the poor widow weren't exactly flush with cash, and yet they gave because believers who know the grace of Christ love to give. We also show that love and give together when we collect for offerings for things like earthquake or hurricane recovery or relief projects, donations to the food bank, or we use the proceeds of our yard sale to provide relief for the poor and needy who could use our help. But the giving most our mind on but the giving most on our minds is of course what this congregation needs in order to sustain and move forward our ministry here in Howard County. We're coming up on our 25th anniversary as a church, and we have much to be proud of about our history. We were self-supporting very soon after we formed. We purchased a property and built a beautiful house of worship. And we have shared this gospel with many people throughout our community, especially children, and we have remained steadfast in the teaching of all the truth and steadfast in the teachings, all the truths of the word of God. 
This is the mission Christ has given to his church and this church. Having just observed the 500th anniversary of the Reformation, we're probably even more aware of the wonderful heritage as confessional Lutherans and what that means for our work and witness here in Clarksville. Of course, we recognize that these things and all blessings are from God, and pride in this instance is not to be confused with arrogance or self-satisfaction. But as with those Corinthians, it's a wonderful thing that the Holy Spirit has kept us firm and steadfast in the one true faith, faith, even as so many churches and Christians and, around, and tragically even Lutherans from around the world have completely lost sight of Christ and the gospel. If you were to travel the country and listen to what is preached in our Wells pulpits and, are, and taught in our synod's classrooms, you would find a beautiful consistency in what you heard. Law and gospel, the, pi- the Bible, taught in truth, relevance, and purity. And although it's never all it could be, the level of scriptural knowledge within our congregations, including this one, far surpasses that of most churches because of our commitments to things like Sunday school, Bible class, and thorough confirmation instruction. We take our faith and living it out seriously. We are earnest about it, steadfast. And these are the same things Paul commended the Christians in Corinth for. So in other words, we abound in, overflow in, and excel in the good things of the Christian life. But there is something more that we are encouraged not to forget or take for granted, but instead commit to ourselves. It is something important to our individual lives as believers and essential for our congregation, not for the survival of our, of our congregation and all these blessings, but for the fulfillment of our mission and the advancement of ministry. It's stewardship, what you do with what God has given you. And especially today, we are talking about what you do with your resources and income. It's what you want to do because of who you are and what you are because of what God has given you. Paul gives us this challenge. Just as you overflow in every way, see that you also overflow in this gracious gift, giving. Amen. Please rise. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.